We're going to continue our preview of the Cleveland Guardians and review of the Cleveland Guardians today, focus on starting pitching. And I'm going to steal a whole segment of the show today on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and everyone. Hello and everyone. Hello everyone and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I want to do a quick YouTube shout out here. We are 931 subscribers, 69 away. I know that is everyone's favorite number. So 69 away. This one is for you. No, it's not for anyone. I'm going to stop <laughs> myself there. I'm going to stop myself before I just step. I almost stepped in the world's biggest bear trap. Um, I am very tired. <laughs> very tired right now. So, um, you know, we're going to move on and say thank you. If you are a subscriber, if you have joined us recently, we welcome you. We have a lot of fun with the show. We give a lot of information. But we also balance in some jokes. I am very disappointed that no one got the Daniel Tiger reference from yesterday. Uh, I am Jeff Ellis, and I am an avid listener, uh, watcher of Daniel Tiger. I've got a five and a one-year-old, and I am, uh, I'm, I'm here for all your Daniel Tiger theories so uh yeah that's my introduction i am justin Latta, and that theory went straight over my head um i have no no kids so that one does not quite get to me yet um i spend most of my time on netflix watching the most ridiculous shows my fiance messes up the algorithm to my netflix and i get all served with all these weird dating shows uh so that could be another interesting conversation but uh yeah, <laughs> I'm here too. No, I, I like my weird movies. Uh, like that, that could be a whole one of just like me going down my rabbit hole of liking weird stuff. But uh, we're Guardians fans. So, of course, we like weird and obscure facts and stuff because that's uh, the Guardians are the weird and obscure of baseball. And speaking of the weird and obscure, uh, I'm stealing this segment. I'm just going to take it from Justin right here. I mean, we did discuss before, and I want to take a moment and talk Joey Gallo. And I know Joey Gallo is a dirty word. I was not shocked at all when, for instance, Hiram, I love your passion, got mad at me about it because, of course, he's going to hate a guy with a batting average under 200. Here's the thing about Joey Gallo. In spite of that batting average, the two things he does is walk and home run. Home run? Homer. And what are the two things the Guardians need to help balance this lineup? Those two things. What can they afford to have a little bit more of because they don't have it on high amount? K-rate. Uh Yes, Gallo was horrendous with the Yankees. There is a history of a few players who are left-handed bats getting to New York and messing with their heads. That short porch, they seem to try to go all out for it, and it doesn't work out. Didn't work for Gallo. I do want to point out, though, for his career, he's got a 110 runs created plus. It's not That's not huge, but it's productive. Uh, he also has, you know, two or, yeah, 240 home run seasons and then a 38 home run season. He is 29 years of age, so he is not exactly... Uh, an old man just turned 29. So this next year would be his age 29 year. And th this past year, he was atrocious against lefties, a 22 weighted runs created plus again, for those who don't know that hundred is average. So 22 is below miles straw below Austin hedges. But even though this year was so terrible, it brought down his overall average, his overall average against left-handed pitching was a one Oh two. So 
he had a year that was about as bad as you can get, and it still brought him down to average. So he hits lefties well. He hits righties well. He has power. He walks. He is a buy low, and I, you know, I appreciate you, Zach, as well, um, who, when I talked about him being a buy low, you said, I don't think the Guardians are in buy low mode anymore. I think they're going to be in buy low mode for now and for the rest of eternity. Like, that is how they built this team. I think they are always going to look to buy low, buy that distressed asset. That is... You know, people get Moneyball wrong. People say Moneyball was all about, um, you know, walks and on-base percentage. No, it was about finding an asset that was undervalued and exploiting it. Finding uh, value in what was not appreciated. At the time, it was on-base percentage. The Guardians are always going to be trying to do that. And the other thing about Gallo, on top of the power and the walks, is he plays a lot of positions and plays them well. Uh, He can play all three outfield spots. He has played first. He has played third. He can fill in in a pinch, and he has that flexibility that was a big word during this season. Again, last year was a down year. I mean, but it's, and and this is where I think there is a chance for a rebound. One, he had a 122 weighted runs created pus last year. Uh, But it went from a, let's see, he had a 138 in Texas, went to New York, it dropped to a 95. And then in New York, it was an 82. It went up to a 91, still not great with the Dodgers, but an improvement. He has been a elite, elite defender for his career. In 2021, his outs above average was 89th percentile. In 2020, it was 87. In 2019, uh, we don't have enough data. But it, this year in 2022, somehow it dropped to 19th. See, there he wasn't fully healthy or everything that was going on was getting in his head. He is a guy who thinks a lot, maybe overthinks. He was having a rough year. Um, and I think... I. Listen, we learned from uh, Isaiah Kinnear, uh, IKF, so I don't butcher his name. Like people were not just making death threats about his poor production, but like sending letters to his or con- like calling his parents and pretending that he was dead. Like people were being that terrible for underproduction in New York, like going after someone's parents. Gallo had to deal with a lot, and I think that affected him. And then the one other point here, while I steal this whole first segment, like I was saying, uh, to why I think you could see a rebound is he was terrible against the shift. Now in general, when you go micro as opposed to macro, the micro is, I think he only had about 20 hits that got taken away by the shift. It wouldn't shift him that much pun not intended, but it, it, he did have a 54 weighted runs created plus against a shift and a 47 weighted runs, uh, weighted runs against a traditional shift. So he did not play well against them. Plus he commented about it. So then you were wonder about for this guy who was going through a lot, trying to blame the shift. Did he get in the, did it get in his head? Could just no shifts existing anymore. Make him a little more confident heading into next year. Like if confidence became an issue last year is the thought that, Hey, the shifts are gone. I'm going to do better. Automatically change his out, uh, his outcome. Is he an end all be all? No. But when you look at, and I lied. One more point on top of this. We know the Guardians acquired about him in the past. Now they have changed approaches, but his flexibility, his ability to play multiple spots, the fact that for his career, he's hit lefties. He's only 29. He's not going to cost a lot after the bad year he had. Um, and with, you know, some of the the issues that he had. And again, it's not like it's anything red flag or character. It was just a poor year. He seems like the perfect guy on one of those pillow contracts. Or if he bounces back, you get him for two years and then he doesn't block anyone, but he can fill in. He can do a lot of different things and he can help your team in some spots. I would rather 
pay for him than overpay for some of the names that pop up on this show. Like, I think he's going to cost less next year than Hunter Renfro. I might be wrong, but in terms of salary, I could see him costing less than Hunter Renfro. So I'd rather honestly get Gallo than Renfro. Uh, I've spent a lot of time talking because I spent a lot of time researching uh, this. And if you're curious, his weighted runs created plus. I'm sorry, first lefties, it was a 104. First righties, it was a 112. Elite defender, versatile, has reasons for why he regressed. One of the best power hitters in baseball. Am I completely crazy here, Justin? Yes and no. You are on the bounds of something interesting, but also uh, maybe going a little too far. I don't know. This lineup certainly could use guys who can draw walks, guys who can hit for power. That was the biggest issue. Look, Cleveland finished first in the league last year in contact rate. They finished last in all of baseball in hard hit rate. That is not a good combination. Um, I don't know that you want to go to the extreme with Joey Gallo, and he is just one player. Um, if Joey Gallo was right-handed, I would actually tell you, yes, this makes a ton of sense. Give it a shot. I think the left-handed thing kind of makes it weird. They don't need to get more left-handed. I know the well, to career platoon split-wise, what is he at? I don't I don't. He's a 104. For his career? Yeah, for his career, he's a 104. So he's hit lefties for his career. So it's it's been almost even. That's Because that's what I looked at when I looked at it. Last year was miserable. Last year was miserable in every way, like offensively and defensively. But for his career, he's hit lefties. So that's why, if that didn't exist, I would have let this flight of fancy go. But because he has hit lefties to at least a league average mark, like that means he could at least be your first baseman against lefties. Yeah, the versatility certainly helps. The walks are still there. The chase rate's still in a good a good place. Even though he had a bad year, the chase rate's still in a good place for him. Uh, exit velocity, hard hit rate, uh, all that stuff's good. Nothing, nothing really shifted too far from what he normally does, except for his output, right? So all the all the stuff on the peripheral still looks good for him. Um, the chase rate did get a little bit worse, but it's still in a comfortable zone. A rebound would be nice. I think they should consider the market. I, keep an eye on the market for him. Keep it. Keep, stay in the discussion. See where his agent's at. See where he's at. You know, keep their thumb on it. I wouldn't say it should be the guy they are hardest after or the most interested in. I agree with you that there. I, I might be more interested in him than some other guys that, that whose names we've talked about or other people are suggesting. Like, I would stay far, far away from Cody Bellinger. We've talked about that. Hundred um, percent. Very, very not interested in, in Trey Mancini. I shouldn't say very not. I should say uh, tepid. I'm very tepid on, on Trey Mancini. Very tepid on JD Martinez. Um, and I, I might even say I'm tepid on on Joey Gallo. But I think it's a market they should consider because, like you said, the versatility, the peripherals are there. There's a chance for a rebound. I think they're and they can afford to bring in somebody with his skill set to balance out the lineup. Um, I just question how far extreme that goes. He is but one player, but um, definitely not the first. I, I, compared to who else is out there, I'm not sure I can say like who they should consider above him, other than Josh Bell. Or I'm trying to think of who. What what guy who is left that plays the outfield and first base? Like 
Trey Mancini. I mean, he didn't last year, but like having had yeah. some, I mean, Drury, I don't think has played the outfield really has. He's more like first base, second base, third base. It's been, it's been a few years since he's been uh, considered an outfielder. I, I would say Gallo, would say, when he is at his peak with Quan and Straw, that might be the best defensive outfield in baseball. Just if it rebounds, it's just, and again, I'm not saying this is like go and do it tomorrow. I agree with you. I'm saying, Watch the market. I think he's an interesting, underrated guy who's getting no run at all. Yeah, yeah. Stay in touch. See what happens. And um, if he's, I mean, if he's close to signing somewhere, and you're still exploring other options, and he goes somewhere else, okay. Um, even if they sign him, consider other moves. You know, don't don't sign him and say, okay, we're set. This is all we need for our bat. Like, figure out what else is out there. Um, He's uh, definitely, it's definitely going to be a one-year deal. I think we can, we can agree on that. And I think you're like, I think you're right. It's going to be like what Renfro is going to get 11.1 or something like that. 12. I think he's up to 12. I could be wrong. It could be in the 11 to 12 range, but I think Gallo probably settles in around 10 to 11, maybe, maybe nine to 11. That's why I think like, uh, no, you're right. 11.2. That's right. I got confused. Good call. Um, but that's where like, um, like I said, a pillow deal. So if he rebounds, you get him for a little bit more, uh, maybe one more year at a higher rate, or he gets, and he also gets a nice, if he doesn't rebound, he gets at least that buyout to bring up the salary. So it was like, I don't know, two years, 24 million. Like, I mean, that's, I'm terrible at contracts, but something like that, where like the guarantee ends up being like 10 and two. There has to be a team option the second year. You yes. Can't, no, can't. that's no. Yeah. That, that's why the, uh, the pillow contract, I mean, I guess that's probably the wrong term. That's more when a guy's injured, but the, a two year contract second year is a team option or a mutual option with if it's a mutual option. It's a low buyout. If it's a team option, like I said, it'd be one to $2 million buyout. So if he's terrible, at least he gets a little bit more. Um, if he's good, then the team gets that extra year of control for taking the gamble. Um, but that's where I kind of am. And again, I'm not saying go get him. I mean, I would still prefer, Josh Bell. Uh, I'm not saying anything otherwise, but I just think he's literally no one is mentioning him when I'm looking online. And I just want to take a moment and be like, hey, there's some interesting uh, data. And again, the the one thing that pushed me over the top of this is the fact that like he actually has a higher batting average against lefties. Now he walks less, but his slugging is equal uh, and the batting average is about equal. Uh, it's just a higher walk rate against righties. But it, the fact that he has been able to hit lefties for his career, if that didn't exist, I wouldn't be talking about him because J.D. Martinez is in some regards, like all he does is hit lefties right now. Like he's closer to average against righties and he can't play a position. So, you know, we're going long here. I've taken enough time on Joey Gallo. I just wanted to throw another name into the mix that literally hasn't popped up anywhere for me. I've not seen anyone mention him. Uh, So I just thought he's a fun, divisive player. And someone, again, two, three years ago, the rumor was the Guardians were trying to acquire him. Do you remember that one? That there had been some talk they'd at least called. Now, that's when they like Nolan Jones of the world. So, uh, you know, their approach could be completely different, but I wanted to, wanted to do a little hot take city, uh, here and say, Joey Gallo is someone they should consider and should be talked about more than pretty much any first baseman whose name is in Josh Bell. Agreed. Uh, let's take our first break. We're going to come back and talk about pitching on today's episode of locked on guardians. And that first sponsor today are our fantastic friends at Simply Safe. I had a fan of the show ask me to always spell out our sponsors because sometimes, you know, they do have names that are not how you'd expect them. Simply Safe is S I M P L I S A F E. If you listen to the show, uh, you know that I love US News and World Report. I use them when I buy a car, I use them whenever I make any big money purchase. 
And while this is not an ad for U.S. News and World Report, they have ranked Simply Safe as the number one home security company in 2022, 2021, and 2020. On top of that, talking with our good friend Lindsay over at Lockdown Prospects. You know, he has this system and he says it is a fantastic system for his money that he recommends it and says that it is great. And we know the holidays are the time where packages can disappear mysteriously. Things can say delivered and they're not. And I'm not even saying you're in a shady neighborhood, but sometimes they'll say your package has been delivered. It's not. It might show up a few days later. You know what? You can always have proof and uh, quality of mind. That's not the term, but I'm just, uh, again, very tired today. Uh, you can have a peace of mind. There we go. Peace of mind when you have that home security that's going to track and let you know who is out there. And guess what? Right now, Simply Safe is having the best deal they have ever had. Don't miss your chance to save big on a security system. The only one I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. That is the biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Starting pitching. I always think it's interesting right now that every third trade offer, I feel like someone sends me, involves the Guardians trading pitching. Not to say they won't, but am I wrong? Isn't this kind of a, a weakness? Like if you're going to list your top three areas to improve, isn't maybe the quality of the starting pitching something that should be considered? Yeah, I think we saw in the playoffs, you don't want Cal. I don't know if Cal Quantrill is the guy you want uh, going in game three for you. Especially two. I mean, if he's your fourth best starter, I think you're in much stronger shape. Part, you know, part of that was also due to them um, playing uh, the, the rain and um, playing the the first round of the new the new format. So, and that was supposed to be advantage for the the uh, teams that made it to the buy. But yeah, they you definitely would like to see them maybe go out and bolster that number two or three spot behind Shane Bieber. And I don't know, get, see what you can do with Police Sacra Savali because those guys both have had a hard time getting through full seasons and they're starting to get to arbitration. And both of them have enough talent, but they are really just kind of four fives that you are. They're good four fives. Well, I think a lot of teams would like them as four fives. So um, the problem is you're relying on them to be a little bit more than that right now while you're waiting on some upper level pitching prospects to break through. So they should explore upgrading anywhere between two and five in the rotation. If Tristan McKenzie is your third best starter, that's great. If, if Cal Quantrill is your fourth best spot starter, that's great too. Everything else you should try to upgrade uh, beyond that. So I think Bieber, McKenzie and Quantrill's jobs are safe or, or should be safe. They're fine. You know what you have in them. You know, it's everybody else. I guess it's the other two spots. You've got to figure out how to work around. Can I throw a hot take at you? Okay. Uh, if they're going to consider trading uh, Savale or Plesak, uh, it should be 100% based on return, uh, that those two pitchers are essentially kind of the same overall value. And if someone really likes one more than the other, then they should take that deal. I don't think there's a big separator there, is my hot take. They are of equal value. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, my next question to throw at you is, you know, Kirk McCarty, I don't think we talked about it yet. Um, we finally realized the mystery. That's what we've been the last few days. We were like, what did we forget? Uh, he went and signed in Korea, I want to say. And we had a discussion because um, 
Drew, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Ohio State pitcher, who's actually an undrafted free agent of the Cleveland Guardians, is listed as a top 50 free agent, uh, just got back from Korea. And Korea has like Adam Pletko, um, Ryan, Mer- like it's not Merritt, Morimondo. There's a ton of Guardians pitchers excelling there because it's guys like McCarty. Like he's going to go and be an ace. He's going to be fantastic. I wish him while he was, I mean, he gave everything he had this year and then pitched some very important games. So I hope he gets paid. I, I'm rooting for mm-hmm. Kurt McCarty. But with him gone, I, I think we assume Pilkington is the next guy up. I personally would love to see him in a pen roll. Is it Cody Morris? Is it Pilkington? Who do you think is that fifth? Who is the, who are currently the six and seven and eight guys? You know, Gaddis and Curry also being on the 40 man. Like, how would you rank that tier after the initial five? I think right now, as it stands with Plesak and Savali still being here, it's it's got to be Morris, Pilkington, and then Curry and Gaddis. I would say is is how I would order it. I think they. I think you would still consider Morris a starter coming in the next season, and it depends on what happens. If you go into spring training and you decide he's best in the bullpen, going going to the Spring training with him as a stretch out as a starter. He decides he's better off as a reliever. You just put him in the bullpen and you figure other things out. But at least maybe going to spring training, giving him a chance to start. So and, and by by yeah. talent alone, he is by talent alone, he is probably their third best starter on 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 the roster on the forty man roster right now. Agreed. Uh, just to point out with the pen, it's kind of crazy to think about that because if they do end up with him in the bullpen. Like the weakest bullpen arm is what Eli Morgan then and Yale De Los Santos. Santos. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like and both those guys were great. Like Morgan had his ups and downs, but he was still it was a good year for Eli Morgan in that pen. I think sometimes people forget how high the highs were early on. He was their top reliever for a period of time. Uh, that tells me again, I was I, I agree with everything Justin has said. So I'm not disagreeing every spot on. A plus thumbs up from this middle school teacher. Um, I never got the ace in school, so that makes it feel so good. There, there you go. I'm, I'm giving it to you now. But um, if they're going to even consider running with Morris out there, then like they should be trading, trying to find out like a reliever trade, trying to make their version of the Tay Oscar deal, which was more about the you know Eric Swanson, right, than the than the prospect. So I, I would say 100 percent that should be something to do. But uh, again, I agree with the assessment of the top nine. Then I guess, you know, this is kind of getting off point, uh, but I'm going to ask you something that we said we probably weren't going to talk about. Of the big three, who do you think is most likely to pitch in the big leagues this year when we're talking those top three arms in the minors? If everyone is healthy, let's put the caveat on it. If everyone is healthy from, we'll say the big three plus those already on the 40 man. So that's what the big three plus Cantillo. Yeah. And so, yeah, among if, starters. so we're, in, so we're including the big three and can Cancillo who probably makes yes. them the big four. Yeah. Boy, they, um, I see, I think Espino I, just, cause I think he's the only one who has to be at it at the end of the year. Correct. Or does Alan, well, Alan's not part of this Alan, conversation. Yeah. Alan, Alan is, you know, has to be at it at the end of the season and Williams and Bybee are caught another couple more years away. Um, I think we both agree that Bybee is almost the, mo- the most polished of all of them. Um, I would be most comfortable. I mean, I was I was ready to say that doubleheader against the uh, Twins late in the year. 
I was ready to say, let's send Bybee out there for one of those starts. I was that confident in him. Uh, I think he's the most polished of all those guys. It depends to me. I guess that the context has to be our, our police sack and Savali still here or one of them gone. What's yeah. It's I, see. And I feel like I know everyone wants well, to cop out. <laughs> everyone wants the move. And I talked about it today on Twitter. Like the, the guardians are ambush predators. They are, they're going to wait and see. And part of that is also at the trade market, right? Like they're going to kind of wait and see after a lot of these pitchers come off, like what is the team left standing and what are they willing to pay? It's like, uh, we'll, we'll have to go from there. I, th- I do think one of the pitchers inevitably ends up getting traded. I will say that. I think that they will not carry both to camp. Uh, excuse me there. But I think, yeah, I think that some kind of move gets made. But yeah, I, and that's the other thing too. Like we talk about how good this bullpen could be. If Espino comes up this year, it feels like a better than average chance they'll work him in from the uh, a bullpen role, which could just imagine adding him to what they already have at the back of that pen, and it's just unfairness uh, to so many degrees. I think the higher probability is is Cantillo, just because he'll be on the 40. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to depend on his health, obviously. I think the order for, order for me goes Cantillo, Williams, hmm. Bybee, because I think um, I think they're going to be very careful with the Spino. You know, after last season, you know, Cantillo also had a shoulder injury. So I guess it's the same thing. Um, It just reminds me of the McKenzie situation where like he had the back issue and then he didn't like he barely pitched before he got caught up in 2020. Like, right. You know, so it's like they they've had a a and hey, McKenzie's been completely healthy since those two back to back weird years. Like he hasn't had anything massive. So I don't know. They're they're good at stuff like that. Why don't we take another break here? And come back and discuss how we could, like, we're going to discuss, you know, a little bit more of the starting pitching. Maybe if there's ways to upgrade, if there's players we think who could perform. And, you know, we haven't really mentioned his name. You got to talk about Bieber. And what is the timeline? Because we have to start acknowledging it is a limited time to enjoy one Shane Bieber. But first, we're going to take another fantastic sponsor break from one of our many fantastic sponsors to help keep this show going. And today, it is our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, they've got you covered, right? They are your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you'll find those on Bet Online as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. And, you know, we always talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Uh, let's go quickly to the website and pull up a fun or interesting uh, line. Right now, they are very World Cup heavy. I think we all know why. Uh, you know, it's one of the biggest occurrences in the world of sports. But should we talk about a Cleveland team? Should we talk about the Browns versus the Texans? The Browns are uh, negative seven and a half. Texans getting plus seven and a half. Listen, there's a lot going on in this matchup. But the one thing I know is the Houston Texans are one nine and one. Uh, I would think seven and a half should be very cover- coverable for any team against who- the team that is going to soon have uh, Bryce Young as their quarterback. 
go check it out for yourself over with our good friends at Bet Online today. Shane Bieber, when is he gone? Justin, you tell us. You're going to let us know, right? You got the inside. When is he going to be gone? Because we know, we know it's it's probably within the next 365 at some point, right? December. Write write this down. Put it on your calendar. December. Hang it to my Google Calendar as we speak. Uh, no, okay. Sorry. Let's do January. January 9th, twenty. 24. Okay, I'm putting it in right now on my Google Calendar. It's a Tuesday. I don't know. We'll say. I'll mm. say it's a week out. Yeah. It's the Lindor trade happened in January, right? It did. Yeah. Jane Although Bieber there trade. were very few I... people who were interested at that or who could yeah. really take him on at that point. So when I when I accidentally clicked, it's uh between four thirty and five thirty, if you're curious out there. That's that was my accidental click okay. on the Google Calendar. So between four thirty and five thirty uh, is when he will be traded. I love Bieber. You know, we talked some steamer yesterday. Steamer didn't love him. I mean, steamer didn't like any of Cleveland starters, <laughs> for being honest. Like any pitchers this year? I know. It's very, that's part of the reason I was like, I'm not sure. That's why I'm looking forward to what Zips has to say to kind of get an, another interesting projection system. But uh, I mean, I know the velocity was inconsistent. I know there was, you know, issues at points where he wasn't as sharp. But at the end of the day, at the end of the year, he was still a top five pitcher in the American League. He was still an ace. Like, do you think, it got a little overblown the the negativity that was coming with him or do you think it was justified the velocity well just like the i mean the velocity drop happened like no matter what you want to say it changed something happened there but do you think the overall negativity or view that like he was done became a little much yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely some concerning things. Like that that started against Toronto early in the year, where he didn't strike a batter out for the first time in his entire career. That was ugly. Um, but he rebounded, he figured out a way to pitch, and he kept saying all year how he didn't quite feel back to normal. And I've seen some articles out there about the mechanics and how things have changed. It takes a long time, you know. He was pitching with that shoulder injury a little bit longer than he probably should have been. Whenever a hitter is hurt, or whenever any player is hurt, if they are playing through an injury they are compensating somehow. They are doing something with their body that they normally wouldn't do. And that's, I mean, I'm not an athlete. I am close to an athlete, but I had a foot problem like uh, two weeks ago and I was walking weird for a couple days, man, my other foot started hurting. My hip started hurting. That's just walking, just me being out of shape and just walking on, on, you know, a weird foot injury that, that came from nothing. You know, these guys are athletes in great shape and they still have to go out and compensate. So, um, they're trying not to hurt themselves further, but they're getting into bad habits. And I think that created some bad habits for him. And clearly he was able to get out of some of them and get back to what he was supposed to be able to do. It just takes a long time. So I think it just took a, a lot of patience for him. And um, if that's what he looked like, you know, working out of bad habits, coming off an injury, then that's pretty good because he was a very good pitcher this year. So yes, the negativity was definitely overblown and undeserved. Follow-up question. Tristan McKenzie, do you think there's another level? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think uh, he's going to get better. There's still times where he, yeah, I guess it depends. Can he overcome the home run issue? We know he has a home run problem. Is is there something he can do to combat the home run problem? If so, then yes, there's another level. If not, 
this is probably who he is. And if that's true, then, you know, a guy whose ERA is in the, the low to mid threes and can give you 180 innings like that, three and a half win player this year. Yeah, I'd say I'd say there's another level if he can corral the home run problem, but um, it's probably not a ton higher than it is now. I think this is about close to what you're going to get every year if he's healthy. Next follow-up. Just rapid fire now, <laughs> yeah. Cal Contrell, do you give an extension? Is he more than a back-end guy? Is he mid-rotation? Or do you just let it kind of play out? Yeah, I let it play out. I don't think there's any reason to give him the extension right now, uh, especially since he's already hitting arbitration. If I were him, I wouldn't even take an extension, to be honest, because the value of pitchers on the free agent market. guy, Look at look what Kyle Gibson got from the Phillies. You tell me Cal Quantrill can't get what Cal Gibson got last, uh, from the Phillies? I think he can uh-huh. I totally missed it. What did he get from the Phillies? Uh, I'm not sure. I know there was it was a pretty good contract. Um, was that I saw because I saw the can, Candelaria. Okay, well, deal. he was. I'm sorry, it was the Texas Rangers. He got a three year. Oh, that 20, one. Okay, yeah, yeah. The previous deal. I, I'm sorry. Three year, twenty eight million from Texas. The previous deal before he got to Philadelphia. He got traded to Philadelphia. Um, I don't see why I can't Quantrill can't get that or better. I'm not saying could Cleveland offer him that extension? Sure, they could. That's that's reasonable. Three years, twenty eight million is is pretty reasonable for a guy who what he can do for you. Do I think he can outpace that? Probably because what is he? Um, how old is Cal Quantrill right now? He is going into his age twenty eight season because he'll be twenty eight in February. Um, so let's see, he's got three, four, five, three more years. Yeah, he'll be he'll be hitting the free agent market at about thirty. Kyle Gibson got that at thirty-two. Yeah, I think I think Kyle can get you know three or four years at like at at thirty-five or forty million, maybe. I don't know. Pitching's expensive. I don't see why yeah. not. That is one thing. They definitely pitching gets expensive quickly. Uh if you had to guess, what is the end of the year starting five? Ooh, I like this question. Okay. Beaver, McKenzie, Quantrill, Morris. Um Cantillo. Ooh. Fleetsec and Savale gone. So do you think they're both traded yes. in the offseason? Or you think uh one gets- I think they'll I think they'll deal one this winter, and I think the other one will move on sometime next year. I think yeah. I'll say Quantrill knocks on the door and, and gets a spot. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Pilkington gets a, a spot there, too. I mean, he was pretty solid last year in limited duty. The numbers say he was okay as a back-end starter. If, if Cantillo is healthy next year, I will say I, – I, this is a big, big banking on him being healthy, but I will say, yeah, Cantillo ends the year as the fifth starter because he was – statistically, if we look, you knew I agree – he was statistically maybe the Guardians' best minor league pitcher this past year. Yeah, uh, and that's and I'll just throw this out there for Pilkington that I think, you know, he's as a six starter, he's fine. I feel like he could he could be a Sam Henches if you move him to the pen. I think there is enough data there that shows that he could be, and you know, we'll get into the bullpen later on. But it's fun to think about a combination of Henches, Pilkington, and Tim Heron just for like power lefties that this team could put together. That could be just deadly, uh, which is, God, you know, no no knock on Scrabble, but like remember when we are digging deep for lefties, taking every retread, retread has been and could have done. Um, it's, who is, it's nice to have that. 
who was that rule five lefty that took one year and never pitched for them? I don't think I'm trying to think who it was. Oh, I'm completely they, rule five Rocket, <laughs> they took a rule, uh, a lefty in, in the rule five draft. And I don't think he yes. ever made it. Ho- Hobie Milner, Hobie Milner. Oh, Hobie Milner. Uh, you know, he's turned into a solid pitcher. Um, he has, Hobie but he never Milner pitched has. for Cleveland after they took him. No, did I not have him? Oh, yeah, no, I have him from the Phillies in 2016. Yep. Uh, he was returned, yeah. Yeah, their last three, and this is, you know, just for those who are curious, because I, I did all that research, uh, their last three picks in the Rule 5, Trevor Steffen, Hobie Milner, Hector Ambrose, and then... Do, I, I, must, I think I'm, I missed one, because I'm trying to remember the first baseman from Texas. Chris, Chris McGinnis. And I don't have him on this list. I missed Chris McGinnis, because the next guy I have is Travis Chapman from the Phillies in 2002. And I'm like, no, no, there was someone in yeah, between. Chris McGinnis. Um, was Mike McDade also a rule five pick or is that a trade? Chris McGinnis came in the same year as Mike McDade. I can't remember. This is, you were talking at the top of the show about random obscure facts. This is as random and obscure as it gets. Um, let's see. Chris McGinnis never had, never had an a bat with Cleveland. Cleveland. Mike McDade never played in the big leagues. It looks like he was, he spent half the year between Cleveland and Toronto. Um, I couldn't remember if he was a rule five pick or not. So he must not have been, if that's the case. Let's see. Well, here's his player profile. Let's see. That should have everything that's though. He lasted for, I mean, that's, I had forgotten about Mike McDade. Uh, 2012, right? Yeah. And the, okay. View more transactions. Uh, man, he had a lot of transactions. Cleveland claimed off waivers. He was claimed uh, off waivers. Waiver. From Toronto. So Chris McGinnis was the rule five pick at first base. Yeah. Boy, Hector Ambrose, that was uh that was not a good stretch. No. I thought Hyro I also thought Hyro Asensio was a rule five pick, but obviously he was not. Because I have like I said, bad memories of Hyro Asensio and Hector Ambrose. Like like I said, I'm missing Chris McGinnis, so I gotta go through and put him in, but like the, the amount of guys they lost, and again, I'll just say this, it's it's mind-boggling how bad the Rule 5 draft has been for Cleveland in terms of loss to gain. Uh, they've only had three guys generate any war for this team, so we'll get get into that, and multiple All-Stars go the other way. So uh, i got to update our sheet. We went long again today, so I'm going to get to, I'm gonna get scolded. Uh, mm-hmm. But we will we'll continue working in the time down. Uh, uh, you know, audio listeners, let us know on, on uh, Twitter what you think i'm at jeff mlb draft justin's at jl underscore baseball do you like the longer format give us something we can show and say hey you like this as well uh but i know the youtube people have been loving the longer format thank you for letting me do a hot take flight of fancy uh and the one thing i'll say about this pitching is yes it would be great if they could do an upgrade but i'm kind of to the point where like those the big three if cody morris can hold up the big four that could be the upgrade. Yeah, hello, right there. big five. Yeah, like they got five five guys who I think all have potential as number two or batters. Like I think even Cantillo could be a potential number two if the health is there. And I think that may not go, but you can't tell me looking at Cody Morris in his short time last year that he didn't show traits of elite stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, right there with the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been Jeff Ellis. Uh that's been Justin. Uh 
we are Lockdown Guardians or Log for fun and short. And we want to thank you for listening. We are, again, 69 away. Go have your jokes and your fun, but go subscribe on YouTube and end this the way we do every time. Go, go, Guardians. Go.